0: Hi, I'm Tina Spangler with TLC Barrels. Welcome to my podcast. It is January 24th of 2023, and this is Q&A 128. This podcast is designed to help the members of my Facebook virtual coaching group. So as I get started today, I want to welcome some new members, uh, Maria and Liliana from Florida, Angel, North Carolina. Kelly, Daisy, Christy, and Heather from Florida. So I want to share a little story with you um, before we get started on the topic and the questions for today. Um, I really think it's important to know your talent. Obviously, you all love horses and you all love barrel racing, or you wouldn't even be listening to this podcast right now. (laughs) But I knew for me, I've always loved horses since I was a little girl but I also love training horses and I I love that all the way from high school on to after I got married, moved to Colorado. I love training horses. I actually, I, I enjoyed competing. Don't get me wrong. I felt like my, my horses were kind of my business card. And so the better I trained them, the better they competed. And then it was rewarding to me to win, you know, buckles, saddles, titles, money, whatever with my horses in Colorado and Florida based on that. Um, but it was the training that was my true passion. I even had a friend in Colorado who she would train like one horse. She'd buy one for a couple thousand dollars. Nice bloodlines put together. Pretty young horse. Get it solid on the pattern for a year. And then she'd turn it and sell it maybe ten, fifteen thousand, 15000 Because she didn't really like to compete. She loved to train. So I could totally identify with that. Like competition was fun for me. But I wasn't someone who... Wanted to be on the road for buku hours in the truck. I didn't like sitting at super shows, camped out for three days because I had a husband and son at home, um, that was not their thing that they would wanna do and sit camped out at a barrel race with me for three days. Um, so it was just never my passion to wanna do any of those things. I, I love training and I loved helping others. Um, so I think everybody should know what their their thing is. And follow that, you know, if you want to be a teacher or a trainer or a coach, you have to have a good eye. Um, and that's something that the good Lord has blessed me with is a good eye. And um, having patience, you know, being able to tell people what they need to do and how to explain how to do it. You know, there's some people that are amazing jockeys, but they're not really good at explaining things or teaching things, but they can get on any horse and make them look great. So everybody has their thing that they're good at and gifts from God. And I just wanted to share that so that, you know, when you're trying to figure out your thing, don't feel bad if, you know, you're not the best jockey out there, you know, or if you're whatever, you know, whatever, everyone has their own thing that they're, you know, they're passionate about and you should follow your heart. So that's all I wanted to say on that. Um, And also I wanted to remind everybody um, a little bit of housekeeping before I get into the topic. Um, I w- usually get the most videos on Saturday and Sunday and Monday. And so just know that most videos are going to be reviewed Monday through Wednesday from the weekend. And, um, you know, I usually have at least 40 videos to review by Monday morning. So just be patient that I will get them back to you between Monday and Wednesday. Um, just for new members. So, you know, and also new members, don't forget to search the search box in the group. There's two and a half years worth of Every possible topic you can think of, go to the members-only website. It's all organized there for you too with uh, a year of challenges, a year of Q&As. Also, every topic on training horses and barrel racing organized by topic. So take advantage of that as well as part of your monthly or yearly um, membership too. So the topic today is going to be when you get out of your comfort zone, how to help yourself with visualizing and writing things down and why. So that's something I want to get into today, but I have a few questions to answer first. Um, Don't forget this month's challenges is the D pattern. Um, Hopefully that's going well for all of you at a walk, trot, and lope. And hopefully um, you've graduated from two hand on the big D and one hand on the little D to maybe doing the entire D pattern one-handed with speed control. And the reason for that is riding 80% with your body, meaning your eyes, your shoulders, your hips, your seat, and then only 18% with your legs, like from your knees down, your calves and your feet, and then only 2% with your hands. I find most riders depend on their reins entirely too much. So it's a great drill for that, for that challenge. And then the mindset is your journal. So hopefully everyone's got their journal all up to date with your your schedule, your goals, your gratitude, your um, pre-run routine, your weekly schedule, all that stuff's done, and um, things you want to improve on in 2023, all of that. So hopefully everyone's all done with that, as we are, um, I think, in the third week of January already. All right, so the first question I had come in um, before I get into the topic is how to not overthink. Um, for your run. So a lot of people do that right before they run, they get in their head too much and they start doing, you know, okay, I need to do this. I need to do that. It's not even negative thinking. It's not even anything like that. It's just overthinking mechanically. You know, I got to remember to do this. This is if you label off five things, you are never going to ride in the moment. And you're going to be behind your horse timing wise, because you're going to be thinking out there too much. You have to learn to just trust your training from the week and practice the way you practice. Just do it in your, um, in your run. Also, your visualizing will help. Obviously, the arena there might be different than the way that your arena is at home or, or how you practice if you don't have an arena at home. So you kind of want to have a plan for that arena, and that will help too. But most importantly, right before you run, is only picking one or two things you want to focus on. It can be as simple as lining up with third barrel and thinking, go up the middle before you go to your arc. Or it could be thinking about arc, spot one, spot two, just riding to your spots. It could be riding to my spots and using my inside leg or riding to my spots and sitting and saying, whoa, you know, just one or two in things at a time is the most you want to think about. Uh, Again, you don't want to have a lot in your head, just one, even one thing is is plenty to focus on as your main cue. And then what you can do after you're done is say, hey, you know, this went well, but I need to work on this. So always find something good and positive that you're proud of in each run because 1% improvement is still an improvement. And of course, we're always going to have something we feel we could do better because that's the nature of the beast. You know, we can always make improvements, um, but don't be beating yourself up and again, find out the good thing you did first and then say, okay, this was great, but I want to work on this. Okay. So the next question, I'm feeling frustrated and overwhelmed at times. Um, So here's the thing that's going to happen. But my program, I've been doing this 30 years. Um, I was able to, uh, you know, ride, you know, eight hours a day, six to eight horses a day, Five days a week and then compete one day or two days a week depending on the the month And um, it it allowed me to learn, you know To get really good at my muscle memory and all that So remember if you are working full-time jobs and you only have one horse and you're only riding three times a week And maybe only competing once or twice a month. It's going to take you longer So you've got to be patient and understand that it's just going to take longer So that's why we want to focus on one thing out of time to work on to improve, sometimes you just flat need to slow down. Always remember, slow is smooth and smooth is fast. And a lot of times when you're having a problem, you need to just go back to pretty and correct and things get better. Riding to your spots, good horsemanship. Are your hands correct? Are you looking at your spots? Are you, is your horse working nicely? Um, getting back to basics during the week. You know, that would be the third thing. Your ride should be 80% of your time spent on collection and suppleness, going back to basics during the week, and only 20% maybe on the pattern. Um, dry work super important, like face flexing, left, right, and vertical. Collection work, transitions, uh, riding squares, circles, rollbacks, side paths, lead changes, a, a loose rein, whoa, backing, straight lines, backing, circles. Those things are all things you should be doing during the week. Hind in control. Push the hip in. Push the shoulder out. You know, all, all your buttons working. And then when you do do the pattern, you could do it when you come in from a pasture ride and just walk or trot the pattern perfect, working on muscle memory of your cues and showing your horse exactly where you want them and how you want them to feel. And, you know, you may need to work on rate on some horses. You might have to work on straighter longer on another. You might have to work on a little more bend or flex on another one. Just kind of customize it to that individual horse's needs. The next question was about exhibitioning. Should I exhibition or not? So that's really going to come down to knowing your horse. But here are some guidelines that I would go by. Um, If it's a novice horse in a new arena, I would. I would probably do a walk, maybe a trot, and even a slow lope. But don't waste runs on them. Um, But if it's a novice horse, new arena, yes, a walk, trot, and a lope would be fine. If it's a novice horse in an older arena that you go to regularly, you probably don't need to. If it's an open horse um, that maybe doesn't like to see what's behind the curtain or gets too hot, if you do, no, I would not. I'd just keep them away from everything and just take them up there when it's time because they know their job. If it's an open horse that's kind of getting hot or getting some bad habits, maybe buy one exhibition and just walk it or trot walk um, and just... Show them what, you no loping at all, but just show them at a walk or a, a trot walk, uh, you know, that they can relax and this is what you expect from them. If it's an open horse that you feel it needs a little tune up um, or to slow down and listen, you might need to do something like fence to fence or some counter arcing or some rate work or straighter longer. Um, you know, it just kind of depends on where you are, but I wouldn't say you have to do it every time. And that's where your journal comes in handy too. Um, if you think it's something that you have to, again, know your horse, if it helps them or doesn't help them. Some horses don't like it. Some horses benefit from it. So just keep that um, as well. So let's see here. What's this one about? Okay. Um, so I want to talk about, let's see, do we have more? I have three more questions before I get into that. Okay. Uh, why do you want to go to the horn and the turn is a question. So. Because it comes down to riding 80% body and um, 20, 18% with your legs, your calves, and your feet, and 2% with your hands. A lot of times you'll see riders go two hands around the barrels or two hands out of the turns faster. And you'll see a horse be stiffened up by it or slowed down by it because there's too much rein contact or too much in their face. So by going down to the horn, what you're able to do is also you can sit better in your turns because you have the horn to help you get centered in your horse. Uh, You can pull up on the horn if you need to. You can lock down on the horn if you need to. It also helps you stay in the middle of your horse. Um, So by going to the horn, you stay off their head. You have a loose rein around the barrel. You also will learn to ride from your waist down more um, and use your legs through the turns. Uh, Use your eyes to look at your spots. That hand should be low and forward and not have to mess with that horse in the turn unless he needs your help or he or she. Um, So by going to the horn, it also helps you with powering out of your turns. A lot of times if you're two hands, you're not going to run out of the barrel as fast as you could if you just give them their head and pull up the horn and go with their power out of the turns. You can actually slow them down. So those are all good reasons why we should go to the horn. It's not because you can't ride. And if you watch most faturity riders and most professional NFR or pro rodeos, They go to the horn and turns. Very few ride two-hands around the barrel. And if it is, it's the first barrel. And they better have a really strong core to not get in that horse's way. And the reason why they do it is maybe that horse just isn't as confident on their first barrel as they are on their second and third. Um, But it definitely does not want to be something you want to be doing on every barrel. And it's not a good habit to get in. That's why I recommend D-pattern or single barrel and doing one-handed drills so that you get comfortable riding without your balance rein. A lot of people get so dependent on it, the horses cannot even do a circle without that outside rein. So it is an important drill. The next question is about a high headed horse. What can I do? Um, first, some horses are just built that way. Their head and neck come out of their shoulders just a little bit higher. But if you get that horse super broke vertically, and I mean like spend 90 rides on getting that horse, well, they'll ride 10 to 15 seconds give and take into the bridle at a walk, trot and a lope with their head down, breaking in the pole. That's going to help a lot because as you go to a barrel and you ask them to give to pressure, the head's not going to go up. It's going to give down and break in the pole and keep level where it should. But a horse that's not broken the pole, which sadly most barrel horses are not broken the pole very well, um, they need to understand to give to pressure, not just say no ma'am and throw their head up in the air. So also check it's not a dental or chiropractor issue or vet issue, but also watch your hands. Your hand should always stay horn high and in a six inch box. Always be bumping and releasing, never pulling. The last thing you want to do is get your hand chest high. That's going to make for high heads. You don't want to be um, crossing your wither. That again will make for a high head. Um, You don't want to be pulling back where your elbow is way behind your, your body because that's going to make for a high headed horse. They're going to pull back against you. So the next question ties right into this about your hands and your turns. Where should they be? So in my book that you got when you signed up in the email, or also you can purchase on Amazon, I talk about six main positions for your hands. And this is probably the thing that get barrel racers more than anything is hand position. So really the six main turn positions in the, 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 on the reins is your go cue if you're two-handed should be your hands extended forward in that six-inch box horn high. And again, your rein length is important. So when you lope a circle one-handed, your rein should not go behind your saddle horn. If they do, they're too long. If you have to reach way forward for them, they're probably too short. But they should be and be able to be working, you know, where you're just in front of your saddle horn length. But six inches forward would be your go cue where your arms are almost extended completely forward, elbows almost locked. That's your go position. And then you'd have a rate position when you sit on your pockets, your Hands are automatically going to come back. So most horses, that's enough. Some it might not be. You may have to do a two-hand bump. And that would be thumbs up, pinkies down, and just do a little two-hand bump for rate or one-hand bump for rate. The next cue, which is a tricky one, is your turn cue. (coughs) For some horses, that's where the next uh, three positions come in. So some horses are very push horses, okay? You've got to ride them in the hole. So those horses, you may put your hand flat knuckle and push it to their ears along their mane and just keep it low and forward. But in some people, they need their horse, to, needs help to start their turn. So you may do one of these three things, either pinky twist where you roll your wrist under and look at your manicure, and that will tighten the rein to start your turn and then you give it right back. And then you may have to pinky twist, lift your pinky up again under where you um, finish your turn as well. Some horses do better if you just lift it up an inch. Some need more rate, so you may have to go up and back an inch. So it really just depends on what works for your horse. Um, You don't want them to rubberneck and swing their butt. But, and you don't want to be pulling on them, so you always want to use give and take pressure. You don't. There's several ring or hand cues you don't want, and that's crossing the withers, pulling your hand way over the barrel, or pulling your hand down towards your thighs or up towards your chest. So those are the main things you don't want to do. So that's a tricky one, and you really got to practice it and watch your videos and pictures as well. So um, uh, the topic today. When you're getting out of your comfort zone, uh, why is it valuable to write things down and visualize? Well, first of all, writing things down, you retain them better, number one. Number two, it'll make you set a plan, and that works both for visualizing and writing down, the retaining and the plan. Number three, it helps you focus. Writing down and visualizing both help you focus more. Number four, It has you more organized again. Writing down and visualizing it will help you, you know, with your organization of 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 knowing what you need to get done. That really falls under the writing down, keeping your horse's records, your barrel racing log, your mental keynotes, all of that stuff. Number five is knowing your weakness, what you need to work on. Number six, knowing your strengths and what's going well. So, um, so number seven. What I want to talk about this is, um, and this one's a really important one. So not just visualizing your runs before, but I want you to literally take your goal and imagine what it's going to feel like. Don't imagine an after the fact. After your goal has met, after you won that one D saddle, after you won that forty uh, buckle, or after you and your horse accomplish your, you know, personal best for the year. Imagine how that's going to make you feel and really walk yourself through that and imagine it is already of happening and, and how it's going to feel for you. It's amazing how doing that and 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 on knowing that it's true and how it makes you feel. It's very important to getting yourself where you want to be, because not only are you um, setting the goal but you're actually setting a plan to make it come true and knowing how it's going to feel when it does come true. So an example of that, like for me um, this past weekend, I did a clinic and it was all I could do to get through that clinic with my hip because the pain is so bad. So for me, I would imagine what it's going to feel like after surgery, you know, what am I going to be able to accomplish after a successful surgery? I'm a little nervous about getting surgery because, number one, I've never had surgery of any kind. I've never spent a night in a hospital. So, you know, the idea of anesthesia and the pain afterwards and, you know, things like that, the recovery, uh, you know, all of those things are a little bit, you know, kind of like, okay, this is new, out of my comfort zone. But rather than worrying about that, I'm going to think about the positive how I'm not going to be in pain anymore, how I can get active again and be in shape again, ride my horses again, lose weight. Um, I'll be able to spend more time riding my horses and going out with my friends on trail rides or the beach or barrel races. I can do more clinics. I'll be able to make more videos for my group um, on my horses. I'll be able to have a lot more fun and live life a little bit more full without pain and, and just work without pain and, and enjoy hobbies again and, and such, and just have an active lifestyle, which I always had. So, so that's an idea of imagining how good all the things are going to feel. So rather than worrying about the surgery, think about the outcome of it and all the wonderful things that it's going to allow. So that's the stuff I want you to really focus on. And I hope that's really helpful for you guys. Um, so I want you to take whatever, everybody's goals are different. Um, you know, like I personally wake up in the morning every day and I pray to God and I say, thank you so much for all of my blessings. And I go over my goals with God and I'm, you know, here's where I want to be. Here's where I need to go. Um, these are my concerns, you know, but thank you so much for all of this. And this is where I think is going awesome. And, you know, just thank you and, and be with me through all of this coming up. And leave it at that and i just feel like it always keeps me on the right path and keeps me moving forward and keeps my attitude positive so i hope stuff i say is beneficial for you guys um so i'm going to close with saying just whatever you do just never give up um, in the beginning I, I can't tell you how important it is to just keep learning when i started i just wanted to ride every single horse i could i went to every lesson i could private lesson clinics read every book I could, watched all the videos I could. I just wanted to soak it all in and learn. I, I found things I didn't like, and I found things I did like. And you can learn a ton just observing at barrel races, how people warm up, how they compete, what you like, what you don't like. Um, you know, you can just learn every time you're in that atmosphere. Um, it's important to do that, but you have to learn what resonates with you and make your own style, your own program. For me, it was always about putting the horse first. These horses are my kids. I love them with all my heart. So to me, it was important to have my mind based on trust and respect and love and communication of cues. I wanted a horse that loved doing their job, wanted to be a willing partner. I have ridden many horses in my life. Some do not like people. Some do not like their job. And it's all because of who, what humans were in their lives, you know. And then others are very willing and and happy to do whatever because... They've had good people in their lives, you know, or they're just really good hearted horses. Um, So once you ride the differences in the horses and you find the horses that weren't pushed too hard or forced to do things they didn't want to, you know, that were treated with kindness and horsemanship, not, you know, not that one end of, of pushover, not the end of abuse, but right there in the middle, that horsemanship middle is what I'm talking about. And um, you you start to know what's the best way to work with a horse because you see the end result of what you want and i tell you it takes time it takes patience and it takes meeting them where they're at instead of forcing them before they're ready and a lot of times people don't want to hear that they don't want to hear don't compete go back to basics slow down go less spend more time on foundation spend more time just trail riding spend more time giving them a rest people don't like to hear that people want to go 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 and horses can't always do that sometimes they need different things so so i i do hope that you ride with heart and always put the horse first um you know you got to give 100 percent. i know inside and outside the arena to be successful but none of that's going to work if you don't have a happy horse so so anyways um that's a suggestion i want to leave with you guys and also Say that in the long run, it's not the saddles and the buckles you're gonna remember, it's not the money you won. What you're gonna remember is that journey with your horse, that bond, that connection, the memories you've made with your family and your friends. So enjoy the process and keep trying. Um, Keep trying to improve, keep chasing those goals and those dreams. But above all, keep it fun, because when you look back, that's gonna be the part that you remember the most. Thank you for tuning in and as always ride with heart and God bless y'all.